Hello, dog people of the internet. It's Sarah of the Cognitive Canine, and this is CogDog Radio. This is the second part in a three-part series about a dog I worked with named Kevin. So if you haven't listened to the first part, go check that out now. In this episode, I'm going to get into the specifics on what we did to help Kevin with his chronic anxiety, his fear of strangers, and his general fear of all things new. Um, a really big part of... Kevin's transformation was actually his human's transformation. So in the last episode, I talked a lot about how Kevin is a crossover dog, which means that his person, Patty, is a crossover dog trainer. And so up until we started working together, you know, Kevin's fears and anxieties had really largely been glossed over uh, by Patty. She kind of would just, you know, he was not acting aggressively he was not running away and so you know she just kind of let him roll with the punches and stand next to her afraid um through any fearful incidents that might occur and so there are two really primary things that i want you to understand about what we did for kevin one major thing um, it was just Patty's behavior overall. So I needed Patty to take a deep breath, be calm, and really be there for Kevin and ask him what he needed. Because that's not what she was used to. She was used to taking charge of the situation, getting him out of a situation that was too uncomfortable for him, or, you know, managing him through a situation that he had to be managed through. I wanted her to give Kevin the wheel. I wanted her to let him choose uh, what he was going to do. This, of course, made her even more nervous. And a big part of it was her not being nervous and being calm because he's very uh, in tune with her. And so the more nervous she is, the more nervous he would be. And so I'll give you a specific example, which is just that... uh, Patty was walking with Kevin in the small town where her vet clinic is, and it came across some young, you know, 10, 11-year-old boys who were playing in a tree. So some of the boys were on the ground and some of the boys were in the tree. And Kevin stopped dead in his tracks when he saw these kids. He was obviously highly disturbed by the fact that they could be in the tree, and he kind of planted his feet and looked up at the kids in the tree and really was unable to move forward. And the old Patty would have said, come on, Kevin, we're going, you know, and asked him to walk past. Um, she she would have been kind to him and she would have, you know, probably put herself between him and the kids or maybe, maybe arced around the tree to get him past. But um, with through our work together, she stood there and she let him watch them. And, you know, he's kind of in this crouched, ready-to-run-away position. His eyes are bulging out. He's, you know, his lips are pursed. He's staring. He's he's very concerned. But they're far enough away that there's no risk of, you know, him having an interaction with any of the kids. And she just took a deep breath, hung out on the end of her leash, which was attached to um, a harness at this point, which is also new for her. And we'll talk about that later. Um... And just let him. She just let him take in the information he needed. And as if by a miracle, according to Patty, 
finally his body started to relax uh, to relax and he look he looked away from the kids in the tree and he looked at her and he said okay let's walk away now and he kind of chose to walk away from the kids in the tree and she went with him and again old patty would have said no i needed to go this way so we're going to go this way and new patty said okay buddy that's what you need we're going to go the other way and it's very difficult for a lot of my clients to understand that through letting their dogs make these choices, their dogs do start to feel more comfortable in the world. They think that, you know, if the dog is always choosing to move away from their triggers, um, they're never actually dealing with their triggers, they're never actually getting better. But I'm going to tell you that today, if Kevin saw the exact same scene, he'd be able to walk past them. And he'd choose to walk past them. He'd say, okay, this is the way we're going, so let's go. And that's a big transformation. So these are the changes in Patty's behavior that we made. We we got her to stop and let him do what he needed to do. So instead of always being in the driver's seat, let Kevin observe his triggers. Let him look at stuff that makes him scared if that's what he wants to do. Let him move away if that's what he wants to do. And really just trust him to make the right choice. Um, the other thing that we did is we, the other kind of key thing that we did was to manipulate Kevin's environment instead of manipulating him. So, um, this is just clever antecedent arrangement, right? So all that means is we set up Kevin's world so that he is less likely to be triggered so that he can start to experience life without being triggered. Um, one of the things that we did, because as I talked about last time, Kevin was afraid of strangers, really afraid of them because they always wanted to come up and touch him. Um, which just as a side note, don't let people touch your dogs. I mean, honestly, no, no stranger needs to pet your dog. So unless your dog is really, really clearly making contact with that stranger on their own, just, just don't allow it. We, this, the cultural shift needs to take place with dog owners not allowing this anymore. Um, we got him a Julius canine harness, which is a specific kind of working dog harness that's got space for labels to be Velcroed on. And, we got these labels that just said in training. And so I want to be clear that um, he, Kevin actually has acted as a service dog for Patty, which is something we can talk about much later, but he was not a service dog in training at that time. And so I want to be clear that we, it did not say service dog. I am not telling you to masquerade your dog as a service dog. What I am recommending is getting a vest that says in training on it. And then don't take your dog anywhere he's not actually allowed to go. But wearing that vest, people tend to respect your dog's space better. Now, that's not a perfect solution because not everybody's going to respect that. But wearing that vest, people do respect your dog better. And so in that vest, Kevin suddenly felt very empowered because anytime he was wearing it, everybody left him alone. They literally look at him and instead of looking at their face, they look at the label to read it because that's what we do as humans. Um, 
And then as soon as they saw that, they'd look away from him. Or they would look at Patty and ask her a question, as opposed to staring at him and reaching for him all the time. And so that's how we changed his environment to be less scary for him in one way. Um, and then in those situations, I really taught Patty how to just be there for Kevin physically. So I'm going to give you a scenario. Um, Patty would really frequently take Kevin to Ace Hardware with her. There's an Ace Hardware near her clinic. So anytime the clinic needed something there, she'd take Kevin over there for a little trip. And that's one of those places where there might be loud noises, there might be people dropping stuff, and there might be people reaching for Kevin or wanting to touch him. So these are this is all very triggering. And so she was standing in line with him and he was standing next to her at her left side and a person came up behind her and you know, we've all been in line at the store when somebody stood far too close to us and made us uncomfortable. And this was kind of one of those situations. The man was far enough away from Patty, but not really far enough away from Kevin. And so Kevin um, really could not stand there at her left side comfortably. He was trying to crank his neck around, trying to look around. And so one of the things that Patty's started to be able to do is just ask him to move positions. And we've worked on these cues separately. So she just asked him to move around to her front and now he can stand in front of her. He can be further away from the guy and be able to keep his eye on the guy. Much, much better for him. And just honestly, these little subtle changes in Patty's behavior, as opposed to insisting that he stay at her left side, he's allowed to move more freely. Um, and then just standing in front of her and looking around. And like I said, we worked on that as a separate cue. So teaching him to line up at her left as well as go out to her front, really just as a competitive obedience type cue, but something that she uses in real life was pretty pivotal for them. The other thing that we started to do um, was to just have Patty reach out. And again, Patty is uh, Patty is short and Kevin is huge. And so just she would reach out and set her hand kind of on the outside of his rib cage and just keep her hand there. And we talked about this idea of comforting touch and how you know, I think people are generally, you know, they might be inclined to pet the dog back and forth or, you know, move their dog, move their hand over the dog in a kind of rapid fashion to try to comfort the dog. And what's really much better is just a calm hand placed on the dog. And if you think about it, you would do this for a person too who's panicking. You know, you might just set your hand on their back as opposed to, you know, rapidly stroking their arm, that's probably gonna make them a little irritated and maybe more anxious. Just kind of this calm hand placed on a person's back or on the outside of the dog's rib cage. And this really great thing started to happen, which is that Kevin would just kind of lean into Patty and she could almost squeeze him against her and again, produce this really calming effect on him. So, when he was in a situation that he was uncomfortable, she would ask him to move or she would allow him to move to wherever he kind of wanted to go. And then she would offer a comforting touch to him. Always, always giving him a choice. Today, Patty is a person that if Kevin was uncomfortable in line at Ace Hardware, she would set her things down and take him out of Ace Hardware. 
she used to be a person that would just kind of suffer through it. Um, now she always gives him what he needs. So if he's a little uncomfortable, but he, changing position helps him, that's fine. But if he had continued to panic about that guy, she would leave. That's the person that she is now. And that's the person she needed to be for Kevin. Um, she really started to give him a choice in all things, all things at home, all things when they were out and about, all things at the clinic when he was at work with her, he always had a choice. So, um, a good example is, you know, she's in the kitchen cooking and Kevin walked in and put his front feet on the counter to just see what she was doing. And, you know, old Patty and honestly, most people would kind of go, Hey, get down, you know, get off of there. What are you doing? And she really calmly just kind of placed her arm to where she was blocking him from having access to the food. And she looked at him and she said, you know, what else can you be doing right now? And he looked at her and he looked at the food and he got down on the ground and she praised him and he went and lied down. And when he went and lied down, she said, yes. And she tossed him a piece of food. And that's the person that she is now. And the effect that that can have on your relationship with your dog is enormous. The effect that it has on a dog who is anxious is, it's irreplaceable. You have to have it as part of your program for a dog that is anxious. They cannot be worried all the time about a bunch of stuff in the environment and then also be worried about whether or not they're going to do the wrong thing and you're going to get mad at them. Um, and so she just give him a choice in everything. She give him a choice in having a bath, getting his toenails done, having a vaccine. Um, he has a choice in all things and he has been trained to cooperate with a lot of different things. So for instance, like I mentioned the vaccine, everything, all of his veterinary care is without restraint. A lot of that is just because Patty is a veterinarian. And so he spends a lot of time at the clinic up on the table. Um, and she typically doesn't have help when she's working on her own dogs. And so, you know, a lot of that is just because of the nature of things, but a lot of it is too, that she's done a lot of work, um, on him to, uh, to have him allow these things from her. Um, she needed to, he, he hurt himself. He hurt a foot on the farm at one point and she needed, she knew she was going to need to do these bandage changes on this foot and she knew it was going to be unpleasant. And so to prepare him for the next you know week or two of bandage changes, she did some clicker training and she, she first of all allowed him to see the bandages and everything she was doing. And then she actually clicked and treated him for each step of putting this bandage on the first time she did it. And it was so painless doing these bandage changes on this dog because he saw it as this fun game. He was like, oh yes, this is one of my clicker games. I'll give you the foot. You can do the bandage change. I'm getting clicked and treated. This is great. And that's wonderful for all dogs, but it is pivotal for dogs that live their life in fear and in a constant state of anxiety. They have to have their needs, their desires respected 
especially when their desire is to have somebody not do something to their body. Um, I think we don't talk enough about how anxiety producing it is for dogs. This is why dogs hate the vet, you guys. It's not because necessarily because the things that are being done at the vet is unpleasant. It's because as soon as they walk in those doors, they know they no longer have a choice and they know that things will be done to their body that they didn't consent to. And we can all agree that that's not fair for any living being to have to experience. Um, and so she gave him a choice in everything. She still gives him a choice in everything. And the cool thing is he makes the right choices, you know, the quote unquote right choices. He like, he let her do this bandage change because that's the relationship they've got. Um, one thing that we should talk about because it's important for any dog that has chronic anxiety is medication. And so because Patty's a veterinarian, it was easy for us to, you know, kind of talk about medication and she decided, you know, a, a trial of fluoxetine of Prozac would be a smart choice for Kevin. It's something that both of us have seen a lot of dogs really benefit from when they have chronic anxiety. And Kevin has a very delicate GI system and Prozac was too hard on it. Um, to this, that's not really a stated side effect. A stated side effect would be anorexia would be the dog stops eating. He certainly did that, but he also broke with horrible diarrhea and he was actually very ill. Um, and as soon as she took him off of it, he was no longer ill. And I'm going to say because she's a doctor and she tells you there was nothing else wrong with him. It was the Prozac. I'm going to believe her on that one. So um, Prozac was too hard on his gut. And the link between the gut and anxiety is very serious and something that needs to be considered. And so actually being on the Prozac, his anxiety was much, much higher because his gut was being affected because his GI was upset. I have never worked with an anxiety case that was severe that didn't also have a GI component. So if you work with dogs professionally um, and you're working on anxiety cases, always, always ask the people about the dog's gut health. So always, always ask the people about the dog's GI. And if there's anything going on there, address it you know, have the veterinarian address it, get the veterinarian on board and say, you know, this dog does not have a healthy GI and we need to do something about it. I believe this is why the appropriate diet for these dogs is so vital. Um, Kevin's GI is the most normal now on the raw diet that it's ever been in his life. And I think that that's an enormous component and it's probably a bigger component than just the fact that the food is raw or the, that the food is fresh. Um, and then the other, so the only other medication that he still uses from time to time um, is Patty does keep Alprazolam, which is Xanax, around for him in case he's going to experience something, you know, really bad like a thunderstorm or something like that. And then there's also a great product called Zilkeen that you can get through your veterinarian that is a natural calming aid. Um, and it's very effective for him. And I've, it's pretty much my go-to as well for my guys. 
Um, so getting his gut figured out and having Patty really give him a choice and everything were really pivotal. We started to see some major, major changes. Learning to see his stress, acknowledge it, and then ask him how he'd like to proceed was just an enormous part of what we did. Now, that's not to say that classical counterconditioning was never a part of Kevin's life. It certainly was. So a really specific example is that Kevin is afraid of beeps, some mechanical beeping um, sounds. This is very common for dogs that have ever been trained with an e-collar or have worn an electronic collar, which Kevin has. Um, and so beeping is scary to him. Beeping is generally speaking kind of kept out of his life. Um, except the beeps happen kind of all the time. And so when there's a beep that he has to tolerate, that he has to be okay with, um, Patty has counter conditioned it. So a really specific example being he cut his foot and Patty was going to use um, a cold laser to help that healing go faster and the cold laser beeps. And so really quickly, just kind of turn the laser on. It beeps. We gave him food. It beeped again. We gave him food. We allowed him to move freely about the environment very quickly. He said, okay, this beep is safe. We were able to laser him. No big deal. Move on. Um, I'm going to say that it would never go that well or that fast had she not done all this other work that we had talked about. He was certainly given a choice in everything up until that point. And so he was ready to learn that a beep could be safe. And so that's really, that's the bulk of what we did. Um, we did just a whole lot of changing his experience of the world and therefore changing Patty's experience of the world. And that's how Kevin really started to get better. And so next time we're actually going to talk to Patty and you're going to see, I think, a more clear picture because she really tells this story better than anyone. And so I'm really excited to talk to her and I hope that you will tune in and listen to that because I've really given you the tip of the iceberg and I think that Patty's going to be able to really give you the full picture on Kevin. So if you have questions or you have anything that you want me to ask Patty, shoot me an email over at cogdogradio at gmail.com and I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks guys. <laughs>